Welcome back, listeners. Hi, everyone. My name's Billy. I'm Maggie. And this is Into, Into the, the Meepleverse. Meepleverse. I feel like we were really in sync that time. episode 35 of our podcast it is Meepleverse. 35 feels big it feels like a yeah a milestone definitely i was thinking today when we first started this podcast we would each bring like six to eight games to talk about <laughs> and now we normally bring like one maybe two max yeah like most episodes have three or four games mm-hmm. which is still very fast four games every two weeks is it's a lot of content it's a lot of games but in the beginning, it was like, I have six games that I want to talk about today. <laughs> and I guess we must have just been like, this game exists next. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, interesting that you bring up the old days back in the day. I actually listened to our, our first episode, part of it today. I didn't like our first episode. When we recorded it, I was feeling bad about it. But then I liked the feeling of our second one. Yeah, I get that. I, I think a large part of the early days where we needed... To, to start and to figure it out and to like grow through doing yeah because if we just recorded an episode and we're like cool we didn't we didn't love that let's let's re-record we i think we would do that until like forever yeah um but oh wow the audio is just so much worse oh it's so weird it's so tinny it is we, it really we didn't is know what we were doing there's some podcasts, or Gilmore Guys specifically, not Gossip Guys, Billy, that... <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> in the first... <laughs> the very first episode, it says in the beginning, like, skip the first two seasons of our podcast and go to season three, because that's when it starts getting good. I didn't do it, and I still enjoyed all of it, but I guess they've they probably... Probably everyone with the podcast experience is, like, once they know what they're doing or, like, have their specific segments, when they go back to the beginning and there's just no structure, it's, like... Not as enjoyable as a listening experience and maybe embarrassing for them, but I think it's probably still enjoyable. Yeah. So maybe that's the same with us. <laughs> I think I think that makes a lot of sense. And especially when you come from a place of doing a podcast as kind of a side piece of your job. And it's not like what you are doing for your living. It's 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 a hobby and it's for fun. I like that you, you didn't call it a side gig. You called it a side piece. I know. I felt bad about that. I didn't mean to. <laughs> I thought we would just like gloss This podcast over. is Billy's side piece. <laughs> I feel weird now. <laughs> I feel weird as well. Okay, anyway, so I wanted to start by saying shout out to Greg. Yeah, Greg. He sent in sent in a cuz last episode we were talking about music while listening to board games and I said I always like to listen to music and I usually like to like set the mood based on what I'm playing and he sent this amazing website called Melodice, M-E-L-O Dice dot org and it's literally just a website where you type in the game that you're playing and it will like give you a curated playlist for that game. This is amazing. I'm definitely going to listen to it all the time and I... Didn't listen to it with the game that I'm going to talk about today, but I wish I had it because the game I play is pretty themeless and I didn't actually know what to listen to. <laughs> yeah, I listened to a little bit of the Raiders of the North Sea playlist today. And I was just like, honestly, it just does so much of the work for you. Yeah. Could I find a Viking themed playlist? Absolutely. But is it just easier to be like, hey, these people have done the work. 
let's piggyback and yeah yeah definitely because it's like so if i'm playing a game that's like exploring like yes i'll put on the indiana jones soundtrack but it's not going to be all bangers and this is a curated list that's going to be like all explorer bangers and i'm here for it yeah absolutely if board gaming continues to rise the way it does i bet like spotify is gonna buy melodice well there are a lot of specific game playlists on spotify actually but i don't always like them you don't like the the one arkham like what is it called again no, I love... Oh, yeah, Arkham Horror... Uh, sorry, Lovecraft Noir with, with an octopus. The, with the octopus, right. You don't like that one. I mean, I still like it, but though no octopus Lovecraft Noir, that is the sweet spot. Oh, yeah. Okay, so how many games did you want to talk about today? I wanted to talk about... So I brought two, two games that I wanted to talk about. They're both by Phil Walker Harding. Okay, ooh, but then I have some other stuff I want to talk about. I hope one of them is silver and gold. Uh, one of them is silver and gold, Maggie. Nice. Do you want to start with that one? Sure, yeah. Why Why'd you hope so much? Because I've been wanting to play it. Okay, yeah, I just got it. And Phil Walker Harding has made like lots of really good games. And I feel good approaching a game if I know Phil Walker Harding was involved in it. I really think he's only produced one miss out of all the games that i've played of his which is the second game i want to talk about but yeah he designed like oh uh, baron park he designed gizmos cacao sushi go emotep which are all just like really lovely games he he tends to do mm-hmm. light strategy i'd say like 45 minute to an hour games that are games that would play well with children or like children plus they're not kids games but but they're accessible and easy I also but, like it because they're not all the exact same. It's not like Uwe, who's like got a type and like you know what the <laughs> game's going to be like. He's got like some variety happening here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you said you wanted to play Silver and Gold. What what about Silver and Gold excites you, Maggie? Well, the fact that it's designed by Phil Walker Harding and it's a roll and write, isn't it? Yes, yes. It, it's a it's a flip and fill, but like I, I yeah, I, same same thing. They're all the same. They're all the same. Yeah, those two things alone. Got me, got me thinking. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting. I I will confess, like when I first heard about Silver and Gold, I didn't actually know what it was. I hadn't seen the box. Somebody had just like mentioned it to me, and I thought it was like the next game in Bezier Games line of like silver, which I've heard good things about. But I was less interested. And then I was like, oh, it's it's a Pandasaurus Phil Walker Harding game. Heck yak, sign me up. <laughs> so. How it works, Maggie. It is a flip and fill where you write on the cards, which just feels wrong. It feels wrong, Maggie. That feels very wrong. So you're, you're writing on the cards and each of the cards, the main deck of cards are going to be all of these like little islands. I guess I guess we're exploring, trying to find treasure or something. It, I, the theme doesn't really come through, uh, but you get to put some X's on little tiny grid maps and that's great. So wait, sorry, the cards, are they the same cards every game that you're writing on? There's there's like a big stack of them. So, okay. But yes, yes. Um, so you're going to get two cards to start. Well, you'll get four and you'll choose two. And then essentially you're always going to have two of these cards. And the cards are little islands which have between like 
8 and let's say 16, I'm making up those numbers, between 8 and 16 little squares on them. And your goal is to fill in each of the squares on one of the islands. And if you can do that, you've completed that island, you're going to set it aside and score victory points for it. And how you're going to get to fill them in is because each round, we are going to be drawing 7 out of 8, like... Tetronimo cards and these cards are going to show different shapes they might show a three by one they might show like a three space uh, Tetris piece that's like an L they might do like the four piece L or like the T piece from Tetris okay or a, a two by one and everyone playing simultaneously will get to then draw that on their map and so in essence you want to create the spaces to fill in with all of those pieces because you know what the eight pieces are and you know that most of them are going to come each round. So you're trying to set yourself up for success so that you can finish the pieces really well. If the T piece comes up and you don't have any space where you can put the T piece, you're only going to get to put a single X instead of the four X's that the T piece would give you, which is okay. which is inefficient and bad. But sometimes you gotta. How long is this game? It's like... 20 minutes. It, it, it's quite fast. It's 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. But so okay. each round, you're going to draw seven of those cards and you're going to draw those shapes seven times, right? So seven shapes, four rounds, you're going to draw 28 shapes. And your goal is to just finish as many islands worth as many points as you can. There are islands worth eight points that are smaller. There are islands worth 14 points that are worth a little bit, that are a little bit bigger. And then each of the islands is also going to have something going on in terms of special abilities. And wait, sorry, you start with two islands? Yep, you always have two islands. So when you complete an island, you get another one. Oh, okay, okay. And you'll get that island from the display. There will be four islands that are like the next four islands that will go out. And when you complete an island, you put it to the side in your point stack, and you're like, well, I want this one, and you choose which one you want. So... Each of the islands is also going to have some types of special abilities on them. So some of the islands are going to have coins. And coins are great. Coins are one point each, which is awesome. So you're going to collect, when you cover a coin, you're going to like mark that you got a coin, and that's a point. But every four coins, you also get a trophy. And the first player to get a trophy gets six points. The second player gets five points. The next player gets four points, right? So it's encouraging you to go into that early, which is fun. It's a different thing you can do. Mm. There are islands that have X's on them. And the X's are going to be, uh, when you cover that space, you get to put another X somewhere else. So it's essentially a free free oh, cover. Okay. Uh, there, are, there are palm trees. And the palm trees are really interesting. Palm trees, when you cover them, they're worth points. And how many points they are worth is equal to how many palm trees are on the four display cards. So if there's lots of palm trees up there, they could be worth a lot. If there's no palm trees, then that card you have doesn't have a lot of value. But that can obviously change throughout the game? Yeah, that can change from turn to turn. So it's really cool. It's really interesting. And the last thing that they have is some of the cards have a like seal on them, a little bonus thing, which is bonus points for each card of a specific color that you complete. Okay. So this might be like an extra point for every purple card. And Maggie, that's it. That's the game. That's how it works. You're going to draw 28 times and draw that shape down, hoping that you can finish more islands, get more points, get your coins to be worth more than the other player's palm trees or whatever. 
And it's so simple and just so elegant, which is so in line with what Phil Walker Harding does so, so well. So this is this game is a success for you. You like it? Absolutely. Yeah, it, it it's short. It knows what it is. It knows what it's trying to do. If you want to play a more complex roll and write or, or a flip and fill or a mo- more complex Tetronimo like space filler, there are dozens and dozens of games that you can play. But Silver and Gold absolutely knows what it's going for and does it perfectly. I think it's a I think it's an absolute success. Yeah, it looks like it's doing things a little bit different as well. Like just the the fact that you're filling it out on these cards, you're just trying to fill out as many as possible. It's not really the like tetra what what did we decide? Polyomino, is that the name that we're calling it? Yeah, polyomino is right. Tetronimo I think implies that there's four squares. Right. So the polyomino style game but in a different way than we usually see it. So yeah. I think it's cool. I'm excited to give it a try. Yeah, I, honestly, like, I just can't wait to play it more. It's, again, it's, I, I think longtime listeners of our podcast will know that I definitely prefer games that are a little bit more crunch, a little heavier than something like Silver and Gold. But for when I'm in the right mood, Silver and Gold is a perfect choice. Yeah, you need you need good little 20 minute games for your collection. Not not you specifically. I mean, like you as in anyone. <laughs> you the listener, but also me specifically. Yeah. Like, yeah, having access to something that I can introduce to whoever I might be around. <laughs> Let's say knock on wood, which I'm not going to do because it would be very loud on the mic because the mic is just sitting on the table. <laughs> so knock on wood. That was my knock. Uh, the pandemic is like resolved soon and like I can see humans who I don't normally see this is a great game to just like have a nice light conversation catch up while you do something and like you focus your energy like I think it's I think uh, like I've already said it's like a masterpiece and perfect but it's 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 wonderful it's (laughs) it's great at first I thought that when you said you write on the cards that it was like single use cards and then it was like a one and done not a dry erase situation (laughs) yeah no I I should have maybe clarified that yeah the cards seem to be like normal cards like they don't feel like they're a different material but you just casually write on them I was like, do I need to sleeve? How does this work? No, it's just... But I guess even, like, even if they did leave stains, like, it's still playable. Like, you'd still just be able to tell, like, this has not been filled in yet. Yeah, absolutely. It's... I I haven't noticed stains, but I've only played my copy a single time. I've played it on TTS once and my copy once, and I'm just in love with it. So, like, I can't really speak to the longevity of the components. But, yeah, like things seem to wipe off fine i didn't need to wipe them off as i was playing or anything the end of the game a paper towel i just wiped everything down yeah interesting note actually apparently it's better to wipe things down with a paper towel than your fingers because of the oils of your fingers oh okay yeah so i always thought people who did that just were like a bit classier than me but i guess there was like a reason (laughs) no apparently like the oils of your fingers like help set dry erase markers and stuff so it's like, it would help stain if you use your fingers, which we don't want. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I mean, the paper towel people are classy, not the finger people. <laughs> yeah, I always thought people just, that just, like, refused utensils were very classy. <laughs> it's like babies? Classy. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> I want to eat salad with my hands. <laughs> Next time you're at a fancy restaurant, just start eating with your hands. You're like, no, no, no. This is actually classier than if I was using utensils. I heard it on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, people are definitely listening to this podcast for, like, fine dining advice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People people come here, they're like, hmm. Like, I don't really care about board games, but I want to know how to feel classier. <laughs> well, you've come to the right place, my friend. Yeah, look no further. Okay, so shall we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Do you have more to say? No, I don't know, no. I'm, I'm going to try not to, like, rant about things today. I did enough ranting in our kickstarter episode i like it i like a good rant okay that's good because there's rants incoming <laughs> oh yeah i honestly just did a quick scroll through phil walker harding's games to try and like guess which one you're talking about and then i realized oh my god he's made so many freaking games yeah yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. it's hard to know okay so the game i want to talk about is also a roll and write flip and fill but this one's actually a roll and write castles of burgundy the dice game oh good 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 have you played it no, I haven't, but I'm so intrigued. I want to know more about it. Oh, good. Good, good, good. That was your response. It was very classy, Millie. Well, that's, uh, you can't disappoint. That's what people are here for. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I could tell you weren't using your hands at all while you were saying that. Good, good, good. Okay. <laughs> so this game came out in 2017. It's Stefan Feld, who is the designer of Castle Burgundy, and Christophe Toussaint, okay. who are the designers. And, okay, so, it's, like, it's pretty similar feel as, like, there is a map on your little sheet of paper, and the map looks as if the board was, like, already filled in, kind of, and each different spot has a space for a number, so you'll have, like, mines next to each other with, like, an empty space for a number, so the numbers are not preset. So that's kind of what your board's gonna look like, and there's also, like, special ability spots that you can fill in. And there's five dice in this game. So two die are just going to be like regular number die. The other two die are the six different colors that you can have on of building. Cool. So like your technology, mines, buildings, farms, ships, and castles. So the six colors, they actually change the science to uh, purple and they make farm like yellow just because... I guess between like the light green and dark green, it was too confusing. I appreciate that. I think that's good. Yeah. And so this is going to take place. It's three different rounds. And that is what the fifth dice is kind of keeping track of on it. There are four sides have one sand timer on it and two sides have two sand timers on it. So every round you're going to roll all five die. And depending on if it was a one or a two sand timer, you'll cross off one or two boxes and there are 10 boxes in each round. So once you cross out all 10 boxes of the round, that round's going to end. At the end of three rounds, you tally up your score, and the highest score is going to win. Okay, so there's like a variable timeline element. We don't know how long it's going to last. Yeah, exactly. If you play solo, it's just like X amount of rounds. But if you're playing multiplayer, then it's the sand timer that uh, determines it. I I think it's also worth noting really quickly that I, I don't expect you're going to talk a lot about Castles of Burgundy itself. Right, that's a good point. I wasn't going to talk about it at all. So <laughs> Perfect. So Castles of Burgundy, if you want like a more involved explanation of it, we do talk about it in episode 21, Sandworms Bring Out Friendship. Uh, so you could probably just jump back there and take a little listen if you need a refresher. Uh, did, did you just have that top of mind like you knew? God, no. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> I was very impressed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, this game is great. And I will say the 
what I really appreciated about the Mellow Dice playlist that was curated for the dice game specifically is they had a Sims medieval song on it. And it was like, that's something I never would think to listen to, but I wish I had listened to it. Anyway, back to the game. (laughs) Cool, cool. When you roll the die, it's the same for everyone. So you'll have your two color die and your two number die. And you can make any pairing. So if you rolled a six and a five and a blue and an orange, you could use the six for the blue or the orange or the um, five for the blue or the orange. You're just going to take one combo. So everyone at the table will pick one of those two combos and then they're going to fill it in on their board. There's a few different rules, like in the science building, you can only put a one or a two in. In the mine, you can only put a three or a four. In the ships, you can only put a five or a six. In the building areas, every building in one area has to be a different number. Cool. Um, The farms, every building in that area has to be the same number. Cool. And for, for the castles, the number just has to match one of the adjacent numbers around it. So the castles are definitely the hardest to do because you have to get hexagons around it filled in first. Oh, you need to get all of them filled in before you can do the castle? Not all of them, but if you only have like a five next to it, then you need to roll a five in order to fill that castle in. But if you have like all five different numbers around, it's going to be easier to fill that in. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So something different about this game that actually was like, took me a bit to get wrap my head around. What I like about Castles of Burgundy is like, Every time you place a building, you get something back that feels really good. But in this game, you don't get the benefits until you complete the whole area. So you still get points based on completing the whole area. And depending on what round you're in, like if you've completed an area in the beginning, you're going to get more points. But then you also get an ability associated with that area. So for completing a science area, you're going to get, I believe it's called a monk. And a monk If you want to use it, you can cross it out to change the color of any die on your turn. Cool. Yeah. It's honestly kind of Gonshani. So like once you fill, Gonshan's cleverish, once you fill in the area, you're going to circle one of these monks. Once you use it, you're going to cross it out. So each each different thing has its own ability. So for the sciences, it's going to let you change the color. The mines are going to give you money, which is going to let you take an extra turn So uh, you basically will get to take another combination of dice. You cannot take the same combination that you took before. For boats, for like the goods of this game, you're just going to circle it. And this one's actually the weirdest one. The die that you roll that determines the round. So either the like one or two sand timers. Yeah. When you roll a two sand timer, you're going to get to cross out any goods that you've accumulated and transfer those into money. So if I've finished all three of my shipping areas, then I'll have three goods circled. Once I roll that double timer, I'm going to cross all three of those out and get three coins for that. And that's just a one-time thing that happens every time. Now that I've used all my goods, that's never going to happen again. Cool. But those are pretty much three extra turns that you'll get. And you're also going to get points for selling those goods. Two points per good. The building areas are going to give you a worker and a worker just lets you change the number die. So like it can be any number instead of whatever number is on the dice face. And this is really important in this game because you need specific numbers to go into your different areas. Like if you want to complete your 
like farm area and you've got like two fives going, you're going to need the third five. And if you can't get it, you might need to use a worker. Each castle uh, has a different one of those previous bonuses. And for the farm, the bonuses just double the points for completing the area. Sweet. But yeah, so those are all the different abilities. I think the game is like, doesn't, does a really good job of being similar to Castles of Burgundy, but still like interesting like a roll and write and different enough that it doesn't feel just like exactly the same, but a roll and write. I really enjoyed it. I th- I took about 45 minutes to an hour to play and I can see on BGG it's like 15 to 30. So <laughs> maybe it's just because it was, oh, I'd only played it a couple times. Yeah. Do, do you think it, it, it sounds to me like very similar to like, as you mentioned, Gunshot. Does it have like, does it feel unique in its own way or does it feel like you're just filling those boxes in the same way. It, it, it sounds fun, but it, I don't know what makes it special after listening to that. It's honestly, it does seem like pretty close to a Gonshan meets Castles of Burgundy. But I still like, I like both of those games. But it's yeah, definitely absolutely. not doing anything new or different. Like nothing that I haven't seen before. Cool. But it is like, if you like Gonshan or if you like Roland Rights in general and you like Castles of Burgundy, I can't see why you wouldn't like this game. That, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And there's like, two, there's difficult, different boards as well. Like I played on the regular board, but you can, you can get variable, variable boards as well so that you're not playing the same thing as your, as whoever you're playing against or just to challenge yourself. But don't you hate those variable boards? Variable board? I, I don't hate them. I was afraid of them and <laughs> I never really played with them, but I don't, I definitely don't hate them. Okay. Okay. I might've said in the past that I do, but I'm, I'm. I'm coming back on that. I don't hate it anymore. One of the interesting things about like recording a podcast is I know that my opinions change all the time. And so it's like, I say a thing, I record it, I publish it. And it's like, well, my opinion changes. Like, <laughs> But I think that's natural. I know. Like, I can never go back. I can never go back on saying that I like puzzle, like I like a puzzly game. Like, I feel like that's just <laughs> something I can never say now. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's worth noting, you said this came out in 2017, right? Yes. That predates Gonshan Clever. Oh, so true. Gons was 2018. So, like, I think the context of it coming out before the huge rush of Roland Rights is really, I think, telling here. Like, it's one of it's one of the early ones. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. It's pre-Roland Renaissance. <laughs> So true, but um, it's not, honestly, it's not, like, if you were to look at the map, you wouldn't think, like, that looks like Gonshan Clever. Of course But not. it is, yeah. like, similar thing where it's, like, looking for specific numbers in places and, like, circling things and getting benefits. So I doubt Gonshan ripped this, ripped their game off of the <laughs> Castles of Burgundy dice game. Of course also, not. Also, friend of podcast Lippy thinks that this game should be called Castles of Burgundy Dice. And I agree, and I think this was a wasted opportunity. What are your thoughts? I think Burgundice is way better, but I understand not doing it. <laughs> I think if it came out today, it would have been named that. Mm-hmm. But they wanted to emphasize the Castles of Burgundy part, which was the selling point back then, before right. everyone was obsessed with Roland Rights. But if if it had the market of everyone's obsessed with Roland Rights, it definitely would be called Ca- Castles of Burgundice. That's true. If it came out now, it'd be like after the re-release of the new Castles of Burgundy and where Olin Wright's is super popular, it would be Castles of Burgundy. And it would probably have the new art and said, this this game has the old art still. Well, we can't fault it that. That art is near and dear to my heart. So 
I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Very cool. Okay, that's all. That's all I got to say about that. I don't know what that accent was. I'm sorry. I liked it. We'll keep it. We'll keep <laughs> it. Was it. Like, it was like Forrest Gumpy. Okay, sorry. Go on. I guess. Where's he from? Is he from, what, Alabama? Yeah, I think so. Do you know? Because you... I have no idea. I just picked a state. I don't know. It sounded right. Okay, one second. Where is Forrest Gump from? It's just going to come up with details about the movie. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. It didn't. Oh, Siri, you let me down. If you know, listeners, I mean, we can just look it up, but I would love to know if you know. <laughs> uh, it's a romance drama. That doesn't help us. It was initially released in Los Angeles. Which also doesn't okay. help us. I'm just... Uh, its budget was $55 million. Wow. Alabama, nice. Nice. Billy, impressive. Look at me go. Or maybe or maybe it's just like an obvious thing. Is that it, an obvious thing? People list, maybe people are listening and being like, yeah, obviously, all of the iconic Alabama scenery. It, well, it's been a Like, I don't remember the movie very well, so... <laughs> but I'm glad. That's I'm glad true. I got that. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to talk about a game I played last May. Okay. And I've been I've thought about it a lot since. Okay. It is Adventure Games Monochrome Inc. by Matthew Dunstan and Phil Walker Harding. I'm so sad right now if you're about to hate on this game because I have a plus I have a copy in plastic on my game shelf that I've been so excited to play. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> There's just like a few seconds of silence there. Okay. Oh, no. (laughs) I will say that in this little mini review of it, there will be minor spoilers, but I think that's a good thing, and don't let that deter you. I think you want these spoilers to to help your experience be better. Okay. All right. I'll I'll, I'll allow it. (laughs) I played Monochrome Inc., back in May. And I was really pumped for Monochrome Inc. because it's by Cosmos. And like, I like them. I trust, I trust the games that they make. It was like a different story-based style of the exit unlock escape room games. I think I played it just like shortly after Mystery House, which was like that escape room style logic problem solving game. And this game took us two hours and 43 minutes and we played it over three distinct sessions across two days so the, the total all three scenarios took two hours and 40 yes yeah okay monochrome inc was objectively the worst exit style experience i have ever had that is devastating and yeah it, it was it was it was sad but is it just because all the other experiences have been so good? No, because they haven't. I've definitely played some of the exit games that I would classify as misses. I've definitely played Unlocked, yeah. where I was like, that didn't really do it for me. At the end of the day, those games were all like, oh, you can just now, you can just like, you're not having fun with this puzzle anymore. Look at a clue. Just advance yourself. And Monochrome Inc. was just... It, it took my mentality in a different direction. And I think it was just overall an objectively negative experience. So the one thing I'll say is that we played three players and each player gets a character. And the game tries to give you a little bit of direction by making your character bad at one thing. So for example, okay. um, some of the tasks like require facial recognition. So if you're going to 
let's say you're going to go into this room, do this thing with cameras. Well, the cameras are going to recognize your face if you are the character who like has a criminal record or whatever. You're bad at facial recognition, and if you do that thing, there's a penalty. So it's kind of forcing you to not do specific things, but it's doing it in the way that I dislike, which is punishment instead of rewarding. Yeah, why aren't they doing like a pandemic style where it's like you're extra good at this thing? Yeah. Or like not just pandemic, but like any game. Also, do you need to play? Would you recommend playing at a four player count so that everyone like so it's balanced? Rule wise, it doesn't matter. It, it has like no impact. Okay. So so that's step one is like you have this thing that you're worse at. But then the things aren't equally distributed. We had in our game a whole bunch of like, let's say fingerprint ones. I don't remember what they were actually called. It's been, it's been like 10 months now, but I'm finally ready to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> so like you have like fingerprint things that you're worse at, but there's like tons of those. And that was the thing that I was bad at, right? So there was like five or six of them out there and one or two of the other things. I knew that come my turn, there were only two real options that I had. And they were cool options. They were exciting options. And one of the other people I was playing with wanted to go explore them. And I had to be like, well, don't do that. Because it's it's my only option. Like, you have all these things you can do that aren't going to, that you're not worse at. But, like, there's so many of those out in the world that I can't really do very much at all. So I felt like very narrow uh, focused, which then meant that the other teammates couldn't focus on those things. And it felt like dumb to be like, you want to explore that thing. I want you to explore that thing, but I, I have to, otherwise I'm useless. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely feel bad. Cause it's also like, as much as like that is accurate, it's still like, you don't want to be that guy. That's like, don't do that. Cause I want to do that. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. I didn't even want to do that. It was just my only option. So, like, I felt like the game did an exceptionally poor job at making that initial discovery, because this was, like, the first 45 minutes of the game, make that initial discovery exciting and rewarding. Yeah. And, like, thematically, there's no timer ticking in this game. You don't have a timer. So you can just pass your turn. So, like, what we could have done is we could have had that player explore that thing, and then when it comes to my turn, I just pass my turn. And that would be fine if the game didn't, at the very beginning, give you these characters and, like, make it feel like you're doing this role, you're doing this role, you're doing this role. If it was like, you three are operating these three characters, we could have all done everything together. Right. But, like, the mentality of the game made me a character and made me want to do things with that character, which it then didn't allow me to do. So would you recommend just, like, scrapping the characters and doing it, everyone works together and operates all the characters? Recommend is a strong way to put it. I wouldn't recommend playing this game. Oh, wow. Right. Okay. But like, if you're going to... (laughs) But I mean, I have it here. Maybe I'll sell it, actually. (laughs) I would honestly just like love for you to play it and to hear what you think of it later on. I feel like I'll like it. I don't know. (laughs) I would love if you did. I would love to like hear why you loved it because I just can't understand it. I don't know. I'm pretty easy to please. So I think that I'll (laughs) like it, but... Second huge issue. So like we already have the issue of I felt like I couldn't do anything. At one point in the game, there's a moment where you can, if you'd like, explore of a thing. And like the game has taught you that exploring things is good. There's no real consequences. If you explore this one specific thing, 
you end up trapped. That player misses their turn forever until the other players solve it. Oh. And the solution to it is not easy. Like, it's it's a... It's not an obvious solution. If it was, like, a pretty quick puzzle that could be done in one or two turns, whatever. But, like, you're then stuck there watching the other people play their turns for, like, an extended period of time. And so this happened in the game. That's very feel bad. Yeah, absolutely. This happened in the game, not to me, but to the other player who I was like, no, don't explore those things. I need to explore those things. And then he was just out of the game. (laughs) And it took us so long to figure out what to do and we tried very specific things we tried the right thing slightly wrong and it didn't work oh so then we were just like we don't know that's one thing i don't like about the exits is like when you're close but like not it and then you look at the clue and you're like well that is what we did it just didn't work properly but would you describe these the puzzles in these as similar to this puzzle styles of exits or no i would describe them as similar to unlock in how like the unlock has the like red and blue mechanics and you like combine a red item with a blue item to get a number and then you go digging for that card it's a little bit like that but okay with a booklet so you would combine item a with item b they're both two digit items so let's say we combine item 14 with item 55 you put the shorter item number in front, and that's your number. So you get 1455. And then in the little journal, you go to entry 1455, and you read about what happens when you do that thing. It's a really, like, that system's great, honestly. Yeah. But it's, it, so, hmm. No, the system's not great. <laughs> the system sounds great. Like, you combine item 14 with item 55. You go to bu- the booklet, you find 1455, and then you read it, you know what happens. But what happens if you're looking for 1455 and those items don't combine? Then you're scrolling through the numbers and you find, oh, 1453, 1466. Oh, great. Now I know exactly what the next two items I can combine with that thing are. Right. So, like, the system is flawed in so many ways with bad systems of making people feel like they can't do the thing they want to do. Long-term punishment for just exploring yeah, the alarm goes off and each round, like, the alarm ticks on and you basically lose points for however long the alarm is going. It's just, it's just kind of dumb. <laughs> it's kind of dumb and it ticks down every time it's that player's turn, which means if, Maggie, you and I are playing a two-player game and you fall into the trap, every other turn the alarm ticks. In a four-player game, it's every fourth turn. It's just not balanced, doesn't make people feel good. Right. And it it has such cool ideas, like the story-driven nature, the escape room style, but like it's more narrative. It just fails them on almost every mark. I'm so disappointed. I was really excited about these games because there's more than one. I wonder if both of them are bad. I wonder that as well. I think there's just two. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I will not play another adventure games, I don't think. Yeah, when I, I remember when I bought this one, there was more than one, and I looked it up, and this one was rated the highest, which is why I bought it. Oh, no. <laughs> but I don't know if maybe maybe they've released more, or maybe that was, like, kind of early on, so they have since been, like, the other ones have been rated higher. I don't know. But that's super disappointing. But, but it does kind of explain why you don't really hear more people. I feel like the exits are, like, 
they're pretty well received. Yeah. But I haven't really heard much buzz about these games at all. Yeah, I I I wouldn't recommend the adventure games if you want something that does the like the problem solving go to exit or unlock or the escape room in a box game if you want something that does like more narrative stuff there's tons of games that have like a narrative element to them a lot of the big kickstarters that came out this past year have narrative elements that you can explore i wouldn't recommend adventure games yeah arkham horror card game arkham horror <laughs> nice yeah, i had to throw an arkham horror card game if we're talking about narrative games of so. course okay so this is, I think, the first time we've ever, like, talked about a game that, like, we don't like at all. I don't think it's the first time, but I think it's the 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 most I've talked about a game I don't like, thinking about myself. Mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely yeah. have said, I don't really like this. Like, it doesn't really do it for me. Yeah. But this is why you might like it. And I just, I, I don't think there is a human being I could meet that would be like, hey, I'm looking for a game. This is what I'm looking for. And the the answer in my head would be, oh yeah, monochrome ink. Like, I just don't think I'm ever going to. If you have an enemy, Billy. (laughs) That is true. That is true. This is the game. Gift it to your enemies. Oh, I I should have. I totally should have. (laughs) This is actually, I am going to think, I think I will gift mine to someone. Actually, I think I'm going to play it. I want you to play it. I'm honestly, I kind of want to play it more now than ever before. Good, good. But, like, I think you're going to go in with tempered expectations, at least. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So maybe that'll make it better, because my expectations now are so low. Hopefully, hopefully. I was just shocked to, like, get it, play it, hate it, and then see, like, remember that Phil Walker Harding worked on it. Yeah, that's surprising. Okay, do you have a rule that you got wrong? I don't think I'm ready to go there yet, Maggie. Oh, you're not? Okay, you still want to hate on it? (laughs) No, I want to talk about other stuff. Oh, 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 I thought you just had two games. I did, but then I said I had other stuff. Oh, okay. What else you got? <laughs> so, first of all, I just want to say that I just got two new games. I'm really excited to play them, and we'll, I definitely want to talk about them soon. So, if you're looking for new games to play, Maggie, definitely take a look at these so we can both riff on them. Okay. I just got Cloud Age and To Want and Sue You. I have not heard of either of those games. Um, Cloud Age is the new game by Alexander Pfister. It has like sleeves that cover up partial information uh, of cards put within them. It it looks really cool. It looks a little gimmicky. I'm really pumped to try it, but you're flying airships. And To Want and Sue You is the next game. I I actually don't remember who designed To Want and Sue You, Uh, but it's the next game in like the spiritual line of Zulkin, Teotihuacan. Okay, so that's like... It's like a tea game that's like a heavy strategy. That's right up your alley. Wait, it's called... Oh my god. We have talked about this before. I just went to Google (laughs) who designed the game and I literally typed in, because this is what I thought you were saying, to want and sue you. (laughs) So we have talked about this, Maggie. Because I remember this same miscommunication happened. Yes. To want and sue you. But... We talked about it in the episode that we never aired. Oh, you're right. Rest in peace, laptop. <laughs> I just wanted to say I'm excited about those. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about is the Everdell news. Oh my gosh, what's the Everdell news? Everdell was, like, we've, we heard from the designer a while ago that there'd be one more expansion or, like, one more release of expansions. 
and it just got announced that the expansion is hitting Kickstarter on March 9th. Okay. And I will say, like, on the on the heels of my Kickstarter rant... You will be kickstarting? I will be kickstarting it. I have never gotten a... Like, the Everdell stuff that I've seen, they have a collector's edition, and the collector's edition is quite good. And I kickstarted the second wave. Or, I guess, second wave. I guess I kickstarted the second set of expansions because Mm -hmm. the first set of expansions i didn't and it cost me more money like i didn't save money by not kickstarting and they have like collector's editions like starling games does kickstarter very well and i've been really happy with my experiences with them but two new expansions everdell mistwood and everdell new leaf probably because nobody told them that there's an animal crossing new leaf (laughs) Do you know what they add? And how many expansions is that now? Because so, there's Pearlbrook, and that's the only one I've played with, I think. Uh, there's Pearlbrook, Spirecrest, and Belfair. And Belfair is less of an expansion and more of just like a, a modifier. But Belfair adds a tiny board on top of the main board. Spirecrest adds a board on the bottom of the main board. Pearlbrook adds a board on the left. And I think it's New Leaf is going to add a new board on the right. Okay. So it's going to be massive. I love that. But it looks like, like, I don't know a lot because I just basically know what's on BGG right now. More information will definitely be available March 9th. And I'm super pumped for that. Uh, But Mistwood looks like it offers maybe a solo slash co-op mode. The the cover of Mistwood has like a, a whole bunch of spiders on it. And one of them's wearing a top hat. Love that. So it looks like there's going to be like spiders attacking, maybe. But if they have top hats, they're probably classy and not going to attack. Well, m- maybe just the top hat spider is is, mm. is a friend. Mistwood's also going to offer like more legendary cards and then new farm cards. And I don't really know what that means. New Leaf is going to offer like a big chunk of new cards, f- 50 plus new cards, the new board and ticket and train tiles. I have no idea what the trains are going to be for, but maybe you can go on like a little journey. All right. But then the, the thing that everyone is, like, actually most interested in, the animal meeples that you oh, get. Oh, of course. They always introduce some cute new animal animeeples. And they announced them already. So Mistwood, and this is without stretch goals, so there might be other ones, but Mistwood is going to bring in butterflies, spiders, pigs, and stoats. <gasps> Ooh. Wait, what was the last one? Stoats. What's that? Uh, you should Google it right now so everyone can hear your reaction to looking at a stoat. Okay, what? <laughs> what is it? S T O A T S. Aww, <laughs> so cute. Yeah, they're really cute, like noodle weasels. Is how I would describe they, them. Noodle weasel is a perfect way to describe it. Also, like I like Everdell always picks these random animals that I've never even heard of before. I'll, I'll, pig was obviously like I know what a pig is, but what? What's a butterfly? <laughs> <laughs> and spider. Okay, this round, other than the stoat, was pretty recognizable. And New Leaf's gonna bring in bats, cats, honeybees, and snails. What's a snail? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So that means there's going to be 23 animal meeples to choose from if you have, like, all of Everdell. Wow. At least. So, like, I think that's so exciting. Yeah, I I think it's great. Do any of these expansions make it go past four players? Yeah, I think it goes up to six players now. I think somewhere in Spirecrest and Belfair, it increases the player count. But I'm ex- oh, okay. super pumped to, like, get these, play these sometime in 2022, and then have, like, a full Everdell episode. 
Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, and just like talk about each expansion. Yeah, it would be like a our Seven Wonders discussion. Yeah, exactly. That's me. That's that's the stuff I was excited about. I don't have a rule I got wrong. I don't have a rule I got wrong either. Or maybe I did make a mess up a rule in the dice game, but I was not the one who learned the rules, so that's not my fault if I did. That's a rule someone else got wrong. Yeah. <laughs> What is your nerd adjacent musing, Billy? I've been talking a lot because I was excited about Everdell. So why don't why don't you take away us away on yours first? Okay. I was really excited about my nerd adjacent musing, and then I'm less excited now, but I I don't want to say that because I don't want to spoil anything. Just like where I am in Okay, anyway, so it's a TV show called Search Party, which I had never really heard of. Um, my friend recommended it to me about a week ago. And it is starring... Did you ever watch Arrested Development? I've seen a few episodes, but not really. Okay, but the the girl cousin, her name is Maybe, in Arrested Development. That actress is the main character in Search Party. She's all grown up now. And um, I don't know why I said that. That was kind of weird and I didn't like it. But anyway, so the premise is it's her and her university friends and one of their, one of their acquaintances from university goes missing. And it's like a... It's a dark comedy where they're kind of, it's just like a quick 20, 25 minute episodes, but it follows them kind of trying to investigate what happened to her. But they're also just, I don't know, 20 somethings that are living in New York City. So they don't like, they're not investigators or anything. And it's kind of just like them living their lives and trying to figure this out at the same time. Cool. That sounds cool. Yeah, it was cool and cute. Where I am right now, I don't really like where the story's going, but cool. I'm not going to give up. It's it's It came out in 2016, so there's only four seasons out right now, but it's like still going on. And the, the seasons are only like 10 episodes each, and they're like 20, 25 minutes, so it's like super casual to watch and like easy, easy to watch and quick, so I've been enjoying it. But yeah, that's my nerd Jason Musing. Also, I should say, like, you know what? I should actually just save this for my next Nerd Adjacent Musing, but I'm, I don't know why I'm a bad Star Wars fan, but I watched, like, episode nine for the first time, like, a week ago. Oh. I know. And it's so weird because, like, all the other ones that came out, I saw them in theaters, like, multiple times, and then this one came out and I just was like, you know what? Nah. Anyway, so I just watched it for the first time, like, a week ago, but <laughs> maybe we won't discuss it right now. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll talk about it later. Adam Driver is amazing. Sorry. I just wanted to say that. He's great. <laughs> okay. I'll just say my, my quick thoughts on episode nine. Like, do it, do I understand it. that the, the, the plot was bad. I understand that. It was like, honestly, it kind of reminded me of National Treasure because it was like, we've got this thing and now we need to get this thing to get to this place and we need to map. Anyway, I was like, what is this plot? But, and it was super fan servicey, but I still liked it. And I know, like, Everyone hates it. I still, like, had a fine time watching it and, like, cried at points. But I didn't think it was that good. And I was so disappointed because when Force Awakens came out, I was, like, so excited for this trilogy. And Last Jedi was bad, but I was like, okay, I'm just going to hold out for, like, a good end. And it wasn't great, but I still liked it. Yeah, I get that. I I feel like the movie really focused on making these characters care about, like, MacGuffins. Are you familiar with that term? No. So MacGuffins is basically just like, this is an important object that we need later in the movie that like you introduce right at the beginning and then characters spend a whole bunch of time going after. And it's just like the whole movie was just about get the MacGuffin. 
Yeah, and then there was like another MacGuffin. There were like ten yeah. different MacGuffins, <laughs> and that, that's why it was like National Treasure. I was like, what the heck is this? They also just like kind of introduced a lot of random characters last minute, but I think it was just because they were like, here's a spinoff movie, and here's a spinoff movie, which I wasn't like that mad about, but it wasn't like great for that plot, for the plot of this movie. Uh, what's the name of the, like the tiny guy? Do you know who I'm talking about? I do, and I don't remember his name, but he was great. He was great, eh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I liked that. Okay, sorry. So that was my second add-on nerd-adjacent musing that I wasn't even planning on talking about. Cool, cool, cool. My nerd-adjacent musing is excited skepticism. All right. In the past week, there have been announcements of, or I have learned of, Three things that I think are sound really cool, but will probably suck. Oh, so this isn't like a thing called excited skepticism. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is just my excited skepticism. So there's three new board games based on video games that have like been announced. Okay. There is a Skyrim board game coming out. I want it to be good. I think it's going to suck because IP board games suck more often than they don't. Right. There is a Rainbow Six Siege board game that was just announced this past week. Oh! With miniatures, which sounds cool. I have no idea how you translate the creativity and pressure of Rainbow Six Siege into a board game. I hope they nail it. I think it's going to suck. Okay. And there's a cooperative, I think it's cooperative, Stardew Valley game that was just announced. Or like fast released or something. Like the, the announcement trailer said available now. I think that sounds super cool. I'm also just expecting it to suck. I hope all three of these games are awesome. I want them to be awesome, but I just am like, I've been excited about enough IP games that sucked that I'm just like holding my hopes back, you know? Mm -hmm. They're on a leash and I'm tugging and they're running forward. Yeah, actually, I did hear about the Stardew Valley one and I'm excited for that, but I agree. I wonder how much of this is like, they thought, oh, this is a cool thing and I can think of a cool game. Or if they were just like, how do we get the most money out of this popular thing as possible? Yeah, I, I think I'm simultaneously most excited and most skeptical for Stardew Valley because like it's being published by Concerned, Concerned Ape, who's the people who published the, the video game. So they don't have board game experience. I'm mm. sure they've like hired and are consulting people with board game experience, but like... Like, I'm a little scared about that, but I think the Rainbow Six game, I just am not, I don't, I don't feel good about it. Yeah, I don't know enough about, like, I know you've told me a bit about it, but I feel like that could be a cool game. Stardew Valley, the board game, I would only be happy if it was like a never, the game never actually ends. (laughs) Like, every time you play it, you just put it away and like, you pick it up and you're right back where you were and there's never, there's no winning or anything. You're just playing to no end. It's just a re-theme of Kingdom Death Monster. (laughs) But with turnips. <laughs> Turn Turnips. That's Animal Crossing. Are you telling me there are no turnips in Stardew Valley? You're right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> turnips aren't like exclusive to Animal Crossing. They're also just but a like, vegetable. <laughs> yeah, it's like bells. Like bells don't exist in the real world anymore. It's only <laughs> Animal Crossing cur- currency. Yeah, exactly. I think I think the reason I'm just so, so skeptical about Rainbow Six, though, is I think the overlap of the, the like, horrible, toxic community, the terrible, terrible people who play Rainbow Six, and there's tons of them. Like, there, there are not terrible people, too, but there's, there's a lot of, like, trash humans playing that game. And I think the overlap of them and 
board gamers is probably smaller than Stardew Valley. And I think in order to sell a whole bunch of copies, Rainbow Six Siege, the board game, isn't going to need to be as good of a board game. And I'm wondering if it's just a cash grab. Right, that's a good point. But I wonder if you're experience with Rainbow Six Siege, is that just like online gaming in general? I feel like people suck online gaming all the time. Maybe it's not just Rainbow Six Siege. So yes, there are trash people in online gaming. Rainbow Sixes are so much worse. Oh my gosh, why? And I think it has to do with the content of the game. And also, like apparently there was an article published about, because I I talked before, maybe not on podcast, but I've talked to lots of people about how Rainbow Six has a ton of content creators, a ton of streamers who are women, which is surprising in a game that's like so male dominated. And I play often with people on voice chat who have uh, feminine sounding voices. Mm -hmm. And apparently the, the increase of representation within the game actually like pushes more of the terrible, terrible men to like being terrible oh god so like the community is bad and there's tons of people who aren't bad but those people existing make the bad people work why because they're like we just want to be bad on our own with like no women and no one else yeah yeah no like, good people <laughs> like we want to be racist we want to be sexist and you're making that harder on us oh god so like th- there's like a Ooh, lot of trash like people that. playing rainbow six and like i just don't feel good about what what effort the marketing team is going to have to do to sell that game. Yeah, interesting. Hopefully there's enough billies out there that they'll make the game good. <laughs> I just hope that like, I just hope it's a real game and not just like, ha, these are, these, look at this. This is Thermite. Ha ha ha. Like, <laughs> I just hope it's, I hope it's a game. Yeah. Is that too much to ask? When are they like, are they made and releasing soon? Or they're just like, this is coming down the pipeline. All I know is that it's coming down the pipeline. It doesn't have a BGG page yet. It was announced for the first time last weekend, I think. Did you see the trailer for Pokemon Legends? I did. What are your thoughts? <laughs> um, I was more excited about the new Pokemon Snap trailer that launched. I thought the Pokemon Snap trailer looked kind of lame. But I also thought this one looked kind of lame. I'm still excited and I think I'm still going to get it. But it didn't, it, I don't know. I like that you throw the Pokeballs at the Pokemon. Like you don't have to like go into battle. You just like toss them from behind the bush. That seems cool. That seems like kind of what it was actually like in the TV show. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like I didn't get enough information from the trailer to feel much about it yet. Totally. That was a long nerd adjacent Musings. Yeah, like we stopped talking about games we've played a while ago. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. So yeah, I guess that's I guess that wraps up this episode. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks again, Greg, for sending in that music website, and we really love hearing from anyone who's listening. So if you have anything that you want to tell us or you want us to talk about, just reach out to us on our website or our Instagram, Into the Meepleverse. Or you can email us at intothemeepleverse at gmail.com. Yeah. I don't know why we've never talked about our email before, but yeah, send us emails and <laughs> we will maybe respond, maybe talk about you on the pod. Yeah. Or, or give us a review on uh, iTunes. All that stuff. We'll be back tonight and every Monday for the foreseeable future playing games on Twitch. 
Sometimes me, sometimes me and guest, sometimes me and Maggie. And come join us there, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as well. You said sometimes you, but it's it's always Billy. That is true. It has never not been me, apart from when it was nobody. But those, those, <laughs> those weren't good weeks. Yes. <laughs> the content was quite boring those weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, stay safe, everybody. And thanks so much for joining us. I'm Maggie. I'm Billy. And this was... Into, Into the, the Meepleverse. Meepleverse.